It contradicts God's word. God's will will never, say this with me, God's will will never contradict God's word. Don't care if you like it, don't care if you want it, don't care if you desire it. If it contradicts God's word, it is not God. Can somebody say amen? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. If you have your Bibles, open them, if you would please, to the book of Genesis. I've got a lot of scripture today, and this has been a series that I put together uh, actually a few months ago, and I've been really looking forward to teaching it. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor, how do you know what God wants to do in your life? And my response is pretty easy. You just listen and you hear from God. And then the obvious question comes, how do you hear from God? And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to take us down a journey that by God's grace, every man and woman in this building will be able to hear from God like never before. Because it's not a mystery. It's not mystical. It is not, a, it is not mysterious. It is as real as my talking to you and you talking to me. We're going to talk about the ways that God speaks to us. And what I want to do is I want to start this sermon and this series with a very simple question, can we really hear the voice of God? And the answer resoundingly is yes. One of the greatest benefits as Christians, one of the greatest benefits of our salvation is being able to hear from God personally. Hearing God speak to us personally. This is needed to build an intimate relationship. My wife and I, we spend time talking. Now, that's a difficult thing because most guys, you know, they say that that women have 75,000 words a day. Men have 25,000 words. By the time a guy gets home from work, his 25 is long gone, and the wife's been storing up waiting for you. And my wife... This is going to come out wrong, but <laughs> my wife loves to talk very, very positively, very articulately. 
But at times, all I want to do, uh-huh, no, yeah. You know those old male grunts? Ooh. Come on, you wives, it's a great place to say amen. amen. That's, is that, does John ever do that? No, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Dan, oh, no. I, I know Pastor Phil. No. Did you notice his wife's not here this morning to, to listen to this? Think about it. If I'm going to have an intimate relationship with my wife, I have to learn to talk to her. But listen, gentlemen, more than that, I have to learn to listen to her. Let me take that and segue right into hearing the voice of God. We've got to want to talk and listen. Yet, I want you to understand, as easy as it is for us to speak to God, which we do in prayer, the average Christian has a hard time hearing the voice of God. And God never intended it to be that way. Let's go back to the very beginning, Genesis 3. The Bible says they heard the voice of God walking in the wilderness. Now think about that. I I picture an aura of love, an essence of beauty. They didn't even have to see God. They just heard his voice walking in the garden. And they walked with him. Can you just imagine that for a moment in your mind? Can you just imagine that in the depths of your being? And I love the way that the, the writer writes this. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. No distractions, no frustrations, no anxiety, no irritations, just a sweetness, a coolness, a presence that was actually longed for. And I want you to listen to those two words, longed for. Hearing God's voice, and I want you to hear this, is very much a learned activity. I've shared over the years as I've taught on Mother's Day and about children and different things that a mama can be asleep in a room with a train running by, sirens in the distance, hurricane force winds, all the, all the noise of a, imaginable could be happening. But from the other side of the house, the whimper of a baby, and she's on her feet. Do you know why? She's learned to listen for that voice. Now when that baby gets older, they can scream all over the place in the shopping center, and they don't have a clue. Okay, I just thought I'd throw that out there. It was free in there. They've trained themselves. They've learned to clearly distinguish. You and I have to come to a place to understand that learning to clearly distinguish God's voice is one of the most invaluable things that we can do in our lives. Instead of going through life blindly, we will have the wisdom of God to guide, to protect us. Can I tell you something? No matter what it is, the worst marital problem is one word away. One word from the Lord away from total turnaround. If you have sickness or a disease, it's one living word from God that will instantly heal. You're in the middle of a financial crisis. The Lord knows exactly how to turn the situation around. He just says, stop. Look. Listen. 
I'm going to make a statement, and I'm, I asked Bob to put this on the screen, because I have to start this series with this statement. God's will will never contradict God's word. Okay, so let me say it again. I want you to write this in your notes. It's not in there. I want you to write this on the foreleaf of your Bible. Because, you know, I've had people come up to me as a pastor over these 30 plus years and tell me, I believe it's God's will for me to divorce my wife because this other woman he wants me to be with. That contradicts God's word. I believe it's God's will for me to go, uh, thank you, go uh, uh, rob a bank. Pastor, I'll tithe. It contradicts God's word. God's will will never, say this with me, God's will will never contradict God's word. Don't care if you like it, don't care if you want it, don't care if you desire it. If it contradicts God's word, it is not God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Wisdom and direction comes from the voice of God. The Lord constantly, I'm, I'm, I'm laying a foundation in this, first, in this first message that's going to take us through the whole series. But I want you to listen very carefully to the things I'm saying. The Lord constantly speaks to us and gives us His direction. Sadly, it's not the Lord speaking that is the issue. It is you and I hearing. Listen to what Jesus says in John 10. He's speaking of Himself as the shepherd of the sheep And he makes a radical inference in this statement that he is the only way into the sheepfold. A lot of people think that this, that the porter, as some of the translations would say, the gatekeeper in other translations, a lot of people would say that that's God, that's the Holy Spirit who opens the gate. And that's not the point today. The point today is that the gate is opened for him. And I want you to underline this in your notes. The sheep recognize his voice. See, you hear the, the emphatic way that this is said? They recognize. Now, if you've ever studied sheep herding, it's much like cattle herding, except cattle, they say, are a lot smarter than sheep. <coughs> I always wondered why God referred to us as sheep. I just thought I'd throw that in there. I didn't know, you know, but still... When you're herding sheep and when you we have a flock of sheep, did you know that those sheep so recognize the voice of their shepherd that that shepherd can just call them and they will come? It might be a whistle. But there's something in the voice of that shepherd that they know, they trust. Listen, they recognize Look what the scripture goes on to say. He calls his own sheep by name. Look at me. You're not just a number. In in our church, I've had people tell me over the years, Pastor, you, you amaze me that you know everybody by name. I can go through this church and pretty much name every single person in here, at least by first name. I can't always name last name. Don't ask me about your kids. I know some of them, but I just don't. But I can know them by name. Does that make me anything special? No, it makes it an issue of my life. 
I don't want people just to be people. I want to have a relationship. You see, I, I learned a long time ago, to be a good pastor, I really think you've got to be a good friend. And, and I, you say, well, pastor, where does it say that? Well, Jesus said he didn't call them disciples anymore. He called them friends. So I think I'm in good company. I'm not Jesus by any means, folks, so don't think, well, this is what the preacher said. No, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying so important is my relationship with you is I want to know you. I want to get to know you. Pastor, what happens when we have, when we have 500 people? Well, we've got almost 500 people that call Victorious Life home. They don't all show up at the same time, thank goodness, because we can only put about 350 in here. Well, what happens when it gets bigger? I'll just work harder. But let's go back to the message. He said, I know them by name, and I lead them. Another interesting thing to understand about shepherding is a shepherd does not drive the sheep. He doesn't just tell them. He shows them. He says, follow me. Paul, who is credited to two-thirds of the New Testament, said those words that some people think is arrogance, but yet it's scriptural. Follow me as I follow Christ. See, the catchphrase is, is he following Christ? How do you know if he's following Christ? God's will will never contradict God's word. So if he or she is saying they're following God and they're leading contrary to God's word, guess who they're not following? So guess who you should not follow? He said, they know my voice. They recognize me. I lead them. And look what it says. And after he gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They know where he's leading. They know where he has been. They know what he is doing. He said a stranger they'll run from. They won't even listen to his voice. So I want to I emphasize this. They recognize his voice. Would you underline that in your, in your notes there, please? They recognize his voice. But then there's something else I want you to notice. He didn't say my sheep can recognize my voice or should recognize my voice. He emphatically said they do. So look at me quickly. What is the scripture saying? That learning to recognize voice of God is not an option. We need to know his voice. The Bible says there's lots of voices in this world. We need to recognize which one is God. Can I say that again? We need to recognize which one is God. Most Christians actually question the accuracy of the statement. Why? Because their own experience doesn't line up. I don't know. I haven't heard God's voice. I don't know God's voice. But once again, accuracy is not the issue. All true believers, and I'm going to prove it to you in this morning's message, all true believers can and do hear God's voice. They just don't recognize it. Have you ever had those times when you knew 
that you knew you should do something. I'm talking to Christians. And you didn't do it. And afterwards you felt horrible about it. Anybody here have those times? It's called the voice of God. It wasn't an audible. I'm not talking about audibility. I'm talking about hearing God's voice. A lot of people immediately, well, I, I want to hear the rumble. I wanna, I'm going to take you into a scripture where there was another great man of God wanted to hear the same thing. But God said, no. Do you have those times? You had that gut feeling? You knew what you knew you were supposed to do, but you didn't do it. Why? Because even though it was probably God speaking, God challenging, God directing, because you haven't taken the time to actually learn and understand and acknowledge that voice, you really can't pinpoint that that's what it was. When God spoke to me and Adam and Ari walked into our building all those years ago, I knew it was God. I just wanted to know the timing. And as it was, it was months later, and they came to me. And there's other people in this room that have done the exact same thing. Let me expound a little bit about what I'm talking about. I put it in your notes. How many here have a radio? You remember that thing in the dash of the car? Yeah. How many have an MP3 player? How many have a internet? Television. Did you know that TV, internet, uh, radio, you know those things operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week? You say, Pastor, duh. But let me ask you something. If it's not turned on, can you hear it? If you're not tuned in, can you hear it? Oh, come on. You're not grabbing this. It's 24-7. The radio, the TV, the internet is working. But if you're not turned on or tuned in, you're not going to hear it? Is that what you're telling me? Can I tell you something? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, God's speaking. But if we're not tuned in and turned on, we're not going to hear that just the same. There's something that we have to do to hear the voice of God. Failure to hear the signal, whether it's the TV or whether it's God, doesn't mean the station or God is not transmitting. You see, God constantly speaks to you and I. But few hearts are turned on and tuned in. Most Christians are pleading with God in prayer. But very few stop to listen for the reply. You say, Pastor, that's not true. Sure it is. Why else would Christians be shocked when their prayer is answered? People come up to me and say, Pastor, you won't believe it. I say, try me. Why? I do believe it. I know what you've prayed for. I know what you've asked for. Many of you have shared things with me. And then when it comes to pass, why is it shocking? It's just like turning that knob on the radio. Oh, it's working. Yeah. It's been working. We just haven't tuned in. Am I making any sense today? So the second point today, real quick, to hear God's voice, 
I want you to underline these words. We must begin to recognize it is God's voice. We must begin. God's speaking. Are we listening? You see, we need to recognize that God is doing that. We have to begin to start listening. Underline that in your notes, please. Start learning to listen. And then I have it highlighted on the screen, but I want you to underline this in your notes also. This takes time, effort, and focus. See, folks, what I'm teaching you today is not rocket science. Do you know that God wants you to hear his voice more than you do? I've always, I've always thought of humorous. I, I hear people, oh, God, your will be done. Your will be done. My life, my God, in my house. I'm... Well, I wonder what would happen if you're crying out, your will be done, your will be done. And all of a sudden, God taps you on the shoulder and says, do you really mean it? Do you really mean it? I wonder if some of us stop. Well, you know, God, I, what is it? You see, we want to know first. God, what is your will? I am not going to the Congo, God. <laughs> Pastor Philemon and I have been there. It's not a bad place. At least Kinshasa was pretty nice. I kind of liked Kinshasa. I thought it was pretty cool. But is that not the way we are? I would say, Pastor, come, make it clearer. How many, if you turn the radio on, it's the wrong station, you change the dial? It's not what you want to hear. Oh, I see some of our minds are changing the dial of God right now. That's not what I want to hear, preacher. We must begin to wreck. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes focus. Here's the problem. The Christian lifestyle is so busy. It's not conducive to hearing God's voice. Now, don't get quiet on me. You and I don't hear God's voice because we're not taking time and not making time. Say, Pastor, that's, that's hard. Now, you're putting it back on me. God's always speaking. Who else can we put it on? There's times I miss God. There's times that I know clearly God wants me to do something. And I might be tired. I, I might not be feeling well. My wife and I took a few days last week and went up to the White Mountains. Could be blessing, could be cursing. Our phones didn't work. Oh. Just having fun. My wife took a picture of me. I was having telecommunications withdrawals. I was sitting out next to the campfire. There was no fire. It was daytime. And she has a picture of me holding my cell phone up in the air. <laughs> trying to get signal. And it worked. Of course, I got a pain in my arm for doing it, but it did. I couldn't get phone calls. I couldn't. I was out of 
communicative range. Oh, I wasn't busy, but in the natural, I could not be contacted. Please hear this. We are programmed to be reactive. God wants us to be responsive. Can you explain, Pastor? Yes. How many this morning on your way to church or you found somebody and you met them and, and they asked you, how are you? Anybody? And you had pretty much a random, oh, I'm good. How are you? You are just reacting. You're really not responding to the comment. You see, I've gotten to the place sometimes when people ask me, how are you? I, I say, I'm, I'm busier in a one-armed paper hanging in a windstorm. See, I think about. But sometimes, oh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm lying through my teeth. Oh, pastor, you wouldn't uh, know more than you. Has anybody ever asked you how you're doing and you said, I'm doing great? And you just lied. Come on, true confession. Lift your hand up high. Father, we're going to open these altars right now for all these liars. And we're gonna, okay. Do you see how easy it is to be reactive instead of responsive? How to tune God out instead of to tune God in? There's a, a definite decision that we have to make. And that, that issue is, is we have to make time to stop to listen. The big reason we don't hear his voice is we are too busy. And all we are in is reactive mode, not responsive mode. Let me take you to the scripture, Psalm 46. Look what it says. Be still. Say that with me. Be still. There's some of you who are so unstill, you're fidgeting in church. You're saying, come on, preacher, it's almost lunchtime. If you don't get done, we're going to go beat the Baptist. You got to get. I'm sorry, it's a bad joke. I pastored my first church in Tyler, Texas, and that was the joke back there, that it didn't matter what time it was, the biggest Baptist church in town, this isn't Baptist people per se, but the biggest Baptist church, their service stopped at 1145. If that preacher went to 1146, people were walking out. That's just the way it was. Super Bowl Sunday, Remember the Cowboys? When the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl, most of the churches didn't have church on Sunday. So that's where the joke comes from. So if you're here and you're an ex-Baptist, forgive me. If you're a recovering Baptist, we will pray. But let's move on here. Let me see some smiles. See some teeth. Gums are fine if you have no teeth. Just, okay. Be still. You know what God is telling us to do? Stop worrying. Stop vexing. Stop fretting. Know that I am God. In Matthew 6, the Bible tells us that God knows our needs even before we ask. 
He said, stop looking for them. Stop following after them. Stop worrying about You can't change a single thing from worry. I, I've said for many, many years, you've heard it in this church, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. This is what we have to understand when we are vexing or worrying or fretting about where's this coming from, where's that coming from. If you're a child of God, it is coming from the throne. Be still. It's in stillness, not busyness, where we learn to tune our spiritual ears to hear God's voice. Why? Because one of the ways that God speaks most is a still, small voice. Let me give you the picture. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. You can read it later, but, and it's pretty much the whole passage there. Elijah has just beat the prophets of Carmel. He has just beat Jezebel and Ahab. God has just wrought a great victory at the hand of Elijah. But then Jezebel stands up and says, As it was to them, it will be to you this time tomorrow. And Elijah hightailed it out of there, ran scared for his life. The Bible says he ran into the caves. And all of a sudden, as he's standing in that cave, God speaks to him. And Elijah knew God's voice. God spoke to him and said, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then the Bible goes on to say, and there was a great earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. There was a great wind that came by. But it says God was not in the, in the wind. Then the Bible says a great fire erupted. But it says God was not in that fire. But then there was a still, small voice. And you know what it asked? Elijah, what are you doing here? Look at me, please. Why are you in the situation that you have no business to be in? See, that's the same thing as God asking, what are you doing here? Why are you in that situation? Why are you facing that circumstance? Why are you bothered by that thing? God said, do you know that I'm God? Do you believe that I can do all things? Do you not know that what's impossible for you is still possible for me? God says, why are you letting yourself be in that situation? Well, you know, God must have brought me here. Really? God asked Elijah, why are you allowing these distractions? Why are you allowing this discouragement? You see, hearing God's voice comes from a place inside of us that says, you know, I need to make an effort to stop the discouragements and the distractions and to press through to hear God. This is what God was telling Elijah. You saw what I just did. Folks, what's God's word do? It tells you what he's done. Well, you know, that was then. And as the Bible says, he never changes. 
My word will accomplish everything I sent it to do. What's changed? Yes, us. So many times his voice is drowned out by the activities of daily life. Let me inject something here. It's very important to understand that God's voice is not always a voice. But many times it's our own thoughts that God is speaking to and through. And a lot of times we mistake what we hear as our own thought as really the voice of God. Let me say it again. I go back to the statement I meant. Remember those times you knew that you knew what you were supposed to do? Where do you think that came from? Oh, I was just thinking. What? Really? I'm not that smart. Do you think maybe God was using your own thoughts? Speaking to you through your spirit? Let's look at it. John 4, God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Do you not think that we pass by the things of the spirit because we're so used to yielding to the things of the flesh or giving ourselves to the natural things that are going on? I put it in your notes. Communication with God is spirit to spirit, not brain to brain, not mouth to ear, this is how we communicate in the spiritual realm, but not in or shoot, the physical realm, but not in the spiritual realm. We need to understand God speaks as God speaks, as a still small voice, as an unction inside of us. We like to call it with women, we call it intuition. We call it lots of different things. Most often, the Lord speaks to our spirits, not in words, but in thoughts or impressions. Have you ever came to that place in your life where you have a thought that comes to you in a word like, I think the Lord wants me to do this or do that. How many have ever had that happen in your life? I think this is what God is saying. I think, you know what? It very well might be God. Well, how do I know? You train yourself to listen. Well, how do I really know? God's will will never contradict God's word. You say, Pastor, that's just so simple. Yes, it is. The problem is most of us don't even know God's word. I have people bring things to me and they, they say, Pastor, what do you think about this? I don't know. Let's see what God's word says about it. Because it really doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God's word says. I'm laying a foundation, ladies and gentlemen, for this series to help us understand how to hear God's voice. Though we'd love clear direction, I can't tell you hardly ever in my life that God has said do this or do that. He'll usually impress upon our spirit to do something. And it'll come in thoughts that will work out in words like, I think I should do this, or I think I should do that. We often miss the leading of the Lord because we, we brush it off as simply being our own thoughts. 
Let me make it as simple as I can. Have you ever done something stupid? Okay. I know, Adam, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Yeah. Have you ever done something stupid and knew it was wrong to do it before you did it? Please lift your hand so it's not just me with my hand up. Okay, thank you. You didn't feel right about it. You knew the decision was questionable at best, not because somebody told you, you just knew in your knower. Yet you followed your own reasoning, your own logic, or possibly it was pressure only to find out that the impression you had was actually Right. This is a way God speaks to us. Well, how do I know it's God? You listen to it. You pay attention to it. It's pretty simple. Which direction is it taking it? Is it running you to or running you from God? In our church, since the day of this church's birth, people ask me, hey, pastor, what would you do? Well, the first thing my wife and I did, we prayed. And I prayed against starting a church. I love everybody, but this was not my first choice. I was fine. She was working at Charles Schwab. I was working at the bank. I was serving in church, just doing fine. But God had other plans. And God spoke to me one day through the Holy Ghost in the size of a seven and a half inch shoe, laid right up against my hind end and said, Don't you think God is telling us his time? Say, Pastor, what does that mean? My wife's right foot in my hind end is what it means. Not literally. literally. But you know something? God does use your wives to speak. It would do some of us guys good to listen. (laughs) I got three amens from the wives. Let me say that again. God does use the wives to speak. It would do us gentlemen some good to listen. You say, Pastor, but it's not a still, small voice she speaks with. (laughs) That's another sermon. I try to get the mind of God in everything I do. I I pray, I seek God's face. But sometimes I let distractions, I let pressures, I let impressions of people's thoughts and stuff. John 6, 70, Jesus said, I chose 12 of you, but one of you is a devil. When choosing council members, I have people bring to me names all the time. And church leaders and and different ministries, I try to get the mind of God. I try to be sensitive to what God's leading. Jeremiah 17, Hebrews 4, tells us that God searches the the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I try to lead in that direction because I'm trying to hear the voice of God. There's a story in your notes that I left for you about a pastor that had a council, and his council were all 
custom combiners. For you that are from the Midwest, you'll understand that term. For six months of the years, they're in the wheat harvest. They're in the different harvests, and they drive these, these gigantic machines, and they're called combines, and they're harvesting the crops. Well, this pastor had a council that was full of custom combiners. So six months of the year, all of the council members would be gone. And so the council insisted that they brought a council member in that was there for the other six months of the year. So the whole 12 months. And this pastor prayed about the man and said he did not feel right ordaining him. He did not feel right putting him in that position. However, because he was a man and he had logic in his heart, he sat down and let the pressure of the other council members say this is what we need to do and so he did it wasn't two weeks after the other council members left that this pastor this uh, councilman's true colors started coming out he reported to the other elders that the pastor was stealing church money committing adultery drinking smoking and everything you can imagine with the period of two weeks he was a busy man He said the experience was terrible. As soon as the man trod his true colors, listen to what the pastor said. said, In his heart, he knew his feelings and his thoughts. It was the Lord speaking to him not to do it. But because of peer pressure, because of outside influence, he did it anyway. He dismissed the thoughts as his own. But he said, I'll never ignore the moving of God again. Let me wrap this up this morning. God speaks in many ways, yet we will only hear as we choose his will above our will. In this series, we will learn a varied way that God speaks to his children and better learn and understand what it means to be led by the Spirit And hear God's voice. Once again, John 4, God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It means we have to lay aside fleshly, earthly, worldly thoughts, ambitions, ideologies, and say, God, I see what your word says. That's how I want to worship you. Romans 8 says it this way, if you live according to the flesh, according to your hopes, aspirations, dreams, and visions that are contrary to God's word, he said, you will die. But if the spirit you put to death, or by the spirit you put to death, listen to this, the misdeeds, the narcissism, the aspirations that are contrary to God, put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Why? Because those led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. What is he saying? He says that we need to start slowing down to listen. This is the first key to hearing God's voice on a regular basis. The second thing is choosing God's will, God's desire, God's plan above all else. And I tell you right now, number two is harder than number one. Because when God starts speaking, it will start challenging your ideas. I love the 37th Psalm. I've quoted it 
multitudes of times, but I've given the expression of understanding of what the literal translation of this in the fourth verse says. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've heard prosperity preacher after prosperity preacher talk about this passage and say, see, God wants you to have all of this stuff. And then they'll throw immediately over to 3 John verse 2 and says, you see, it says that God wants you to prosper and be in health. But they forget the little caveat, as your soul prospers, as you're growing in God, as your understanding of God, as you're listening to God prospers. Literally what Psalm 37 is telling us that as we make the Lord our delight, his heart will become our desire. Giving God control is really about control. It really is. Well, God doesn't work that way. Then you have a different Bible than I have. I learned a long time ago, he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And to hear God's voice, we have to begin with the decision, God, I want your will. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Then and only then will it not matter what he says because all you want is what he wants. I've shared a story many times in my life about hearing the voice of God. In the early 90s, I remember it was 92 or 90-something. You probably go out and Google it. I was scheduled to do a pastor's conference in Bombay, India. It was called Bombay back then, and now it's called Mumbai. I was scheduled to do a pastor's conference. I was the, I was the keynote speaker. I was going over there to, to, to preach to several thousand uh, Indian pastors. And I, great, with great gratefulness, I said, yes. They called me and, and uh, asked me, would you come? And I said, yes, I'd love to come. So I organized it. I was ready to go, ready to do it. I talked to the person who was putting it all together. And uh, uh, as about two weeks, two and a half, three weeks before the actual meeting, I started getting this nudge inside of me. And then I heard God say, no. Now, I'm not a person that ever looks for yeses from God. Why? Because I know all of God's promises are yes and amen. I look for no's. And God clearly, as I'm standing here today, said, no. And I was praying about going to India. I was praying about the trip. And I, I've been all over the world, and God's never told me no. I almost died, literally, in the Philippines. And he didn't tell me no there. He could have saved me a whole lot of headache, but he didn't. So God says no. And so I did what any great man of God, I kept planning to go. I thought it would, maybe I was just kind of scared or I was kind of this or kind of that. I just kind of put it off. Day or two later, I'm praying, God. And I heard God very clearly say, no. Well, this time I started listening. I didn't make any changes. It was probably a couple days later, maybe even a week later. God said, no. I called the guy immediately. I, at first, I asked God to forgive me. I called the guy immediately and said, I, I, really, I really apologize. I know we're only a couple of weeks away, um, but I'm not going to be able to go to this meeting. You say, Pastor, what they do? Well, they had to cancel the entire event because I, the, I was the speaker. 
had other people, had other teams, but I was going to be the main speaker. Why'd God tell you no? The week of the conference was the worst terrorist attack India had ever had in its history. And the hotel my reservations was in was one of the hotels they blew up. How many think learning to hear the voice of God is pretty important? Like I said, you can go out and, and Google it. I'm sure it's out there. It's early 90s, and you can read about it. There's a still small voice that God uses. It's a dominant way that God speaks, but it's usually through our own thoughts. It's not always an audible voice. This is why we so often miss and are distracted not to hear because we're so busy in life with so many voices. Some still ask, how do I really know it is or was God? Well, ultimately, as the worship team comes, this is where faith comes in. In Romans 14, the scripture says, whatever is not a faith is sin. We can never do anything until we step out in 11.6 of Hebrews, where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those that come to him must first believe he is. I've had people that have told me over the years, Pastor, I just prefer not to decide when it comes to the things that God is trying to challenge me on or confront me on or direct me on or correct me on. Very few of these folks realize that indecision really is decision. And we miss hearing God because we simply choose not to listen because it might come across in a way we don't want. If I asked an honest show of hands, I can almost guarantee there's people here that would raise your hand and say, I haven't asked God for certain things because I wasn't sure that I wanted his answer on them. There's people that get into relationships that they should never get into and they don't ever ask God about it. Don't you think a life-changing event like a relationship should be something a Christian brings God into? And finding a church, people think that's their job to find a church. But the Bible says that God places you in the church he wants you in. It's not your job to find it. It's your job to get in it and grow with it. See, God's speaking all over the place. Is it God? Is it not? Very simple. By faith, make a decision. Listen to it. Does it line up with God's word? If it doesn't, it's not. But if it does, maybe you don't like it. Maybe you don't want it. Maybe it doesn't make you feel good. Make a decision and stick to it. People say, well, Pastor, what what if I'm wrong? If you have a right heart, according to Romans 8, God said, I'll turn this thing around. But you always got to understand If God's speaking, the first thing you do is take it to his word and say, God, is it matching? Is it lining up? Colossians 3 
tells us something about God. He said that the peace of God wants to rule in our hearts. I'll tell you right now, the Lord will lead us in a direction that most of the time will give peace. Yet because of all the distractions and the perplexities of life, many won't have peace regardless of the direction. But I want to take you into just a little secular reasoning. Did you know that an umpire in a baseball game has to make a decision based on his perception, based on what he believes he saw, and then he has to stick to it? You and I need to become like umpires in this life. We're getting batted around everywhere you can imagine. But with God's word in our heart, God's purpose in place, let's make a decision. Say, okay, God, this is what I believe you're saying. I'm going to start walking that direction. If it's wrong, my footsteps are ordered of you. I can turn here or I can turn there. But God, I'm not going to veer from slowing down and listening to what you say. Can you say amen? Did this help at all today? Over the next few weeks, we'll talk about this, and I'll break down into the nuts and bolts of what I've learned in listening for and hearing the voice of God. So I encourage you to come out and be a part of this as we continue to grow in hearing the voice of God. I wonder if we could pray. Father, thank you for your word, for your wisdom, for your direction. Guide and direct us. Help us to slow down in this busy world that we can hear your voice, that we can listen to what's being said. And God, as we open our hearts and our ears and and tune in to what you're saying, help us, Lord, to know spirit of truth, and spirit of error, as your word is promised. God, we thank you for it. Because ultimately, God, we're looking for your presence. We're looking for your purpose, your plan. And in this, we pursue after you. In Jesus' name. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.
Yes, yes. 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 yes.